Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And welcome back to yet another episode of the Al Chab Podcast. We are back on very short notice. Same week as the last episode. We've got a bit of a super show for you guys. Football season starts in just seven days when this podcast goes up. As always, I am joined by my partner, John Finer, and a special guest today. John, how you been? If you want to go ahead and introduce our guest for us and just uh, yeah. give us a rundown. I'm doing good, Kai. Um, we actually do have a guest to, for our football super show, our season preview type deal. It is my friend Dustin. I had to do a little bit of begging to get him on. Um, no, he he wanted to come on. Uh, he's a he's a friend of mine. I've known him for years. I've seen him at uh, met. I've talked to him at all the games we go to. He's actually little known fact. He's been to every single Kennesaw State football home game that the Owls have played. Not to mention a good majority of the road games. His name is Dustin Corn, KSU alum. I think 2000, uh, 2010. Dustin, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Tell us, uh, tell uh, the Owl Nation a little bit about yourself. They're kind of a stranger to them. Yeah, finance degree major, 2010. Uh, huge football fan, obviously big into baseball, big into football. Once we launched the program in 2015, I've been a season ticket holder ever since. Uh, you know, as you said, I've been to every single home game that we've had in section 125, including the COVID year. So it's a streak I'm not looking to break anytime soon. Appreciate the invite. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of, of serious Al fans to talk to all the time about football. So it's a good opportunity for me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I figure this is your niche. Um, yeah. b- before we get before we jump into stuff, how about you tell us a little bit about some of the road games you went to kind of off the top of your head? Come on, give us those. Yeah. So I went to the Sam Houston game in 2017. Uh, I've been to Furman for, you know, getting sunburnt in the second half of that game, which is a real high score and fun affair. Uh, I've been to Alabama State. I've been to Charleston Southern twice, plan to hit the third time this year. Um, I've been to Cookville, so I went to the Tennessee Tech game a few years back. Massive rain delay for a while. I think we passed zero yards and ran for 515 in that game. Uh, kind of sending the message after that Georgia State loss, I think. But yeah, I've, I've attended the majority of the teams that we play on a, on a repeat occasion. I've been there. So of all those places, what's the best road stadium in the FCS that you've been to? Road stadium is tough. Road trip, I, I like the Charleston trip. A, the game matters a lot to me, and I like the city. So typically, I do a quick trip out of it. I'll, I'll make three or four days at the end of it or before the game, spend some time in the city, and then go go enjoy beating the Bucks. The school is also on the right side of Charleston. I know that much. <laughs> awesome. So, well, go ahead, Kai. So, yeah, no, uh, we're going to get right into it pretty quickly, but um, just – want to get y'all's initial reaction just looking at you know what my partner john called somewhat of a zombie season this year you know last season in fcs um the good thing is you get a chance to you know play some of these teams one more time before you you know level up on them but yeah just looking at a nine game schedule you know with no conference what does that instill in you as a fan especially for you know somebody like you dustin who's one of the few true diehards out there no, I'm okay with it because I never feel you're prepared enough for that FBS jump. So to have a year to, to, to see the new offense, see the new defense, see a lot of the new players, we've had a lot of, lot of roster turnover. So 
Uh, it stinks to not kind of high level have anything to play for, but I'm one of the very few that can see a blowout and be excited about the second team offense coming in. What do we see here? What's exciting about the future? What do we go build to? So uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. Uh, I hate that it's nine games. I hate that I have five home games. I'm used to my six, right? So that's different. But other than that, I'm I'm actually looking forward to it and okay with it. No reason to rush this thing. And how how do you feel personally? And we've talked about this at length on one of our other episodes, but the team stated goal, I heard Jonathan Murphy say it. Uh, I'm sure others are saying it too, is to go nine and zero, as opposed to, you know, the alternative, which is, you know, not playing for anything or even eight and one, seven to two. You know, we kind of feel nine and zero is just a lot of pressure. What happens if you lose that second game? Then it's like, okay, we just failed all our expectations for the season. Um, Do you think that is a, a good goal or do you think it's better to do a game by game approach? What's your take? I think the team's built off of making history. They've kind of done that since 2015. You're the first team ever. You're the first recruiting class ever. You're the first Big South champion. You're the first playoff team. You're the first playoff win. We've never went undefeated. So here's your chance to go do it. So I think you got to hang your hat to something. Do I think we mortgage the future to go do it? No. I think we're strategic about it. And, and you know, big picture is with the able bodies we're able to put out there, the goal is to win every game. So I think it's a logical goal. Now, I don't know what record would lose it for us, but one thing that's at stake that I haven't heard anybody talk about is the best winning percentage in Division I college football history um, we were able to hold on to last year. So uh, something to not forget about. You know, I think that holds a lot of pride and certainly should hold a lot of pride. So, yeah. But um, you mentioned the offense, uh, John. You mentioned quarterback Jonathan Murphy. Um, we've got a new O.C., um well before we go into that kai let's kind of let's kind of back up and talk a little bit about you know some of the oversight about dustin said something that intrigued me he said let's not you know risk let's not risk everything for for the one season now i i assume you're talking about the uh red shirt situation dustin that's correct yeah yeah i think we have some people that haven't red shirt we want to make sure we utilize those those years at the fbs level i think we'll maximize the four game limit but but I do believe it's, it can be talking out of both sides of your mouth a little bit. The goal is to go win every game, but we're going to redshirt some key starters. So that, for those that's an of, interesting dynamic to push. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, um, a couple of years ago they made it so you can play four games for any reason and then not play anymore and you keep your redshirt. Uh, you don't doesn't cost you or you or you keep the year of eligibility. It doesn't cost you anything. So the Owls could, you know, if a player hasn't used that redshirt season, the Owls can play, you know, their if they have, find we have a stud freshman or a guy that didn't redshirt as a freshman or anything like that, we could play them four games and they'll they won't lose any eligibility. So it's really a strategical and tactical move. Uh, but I think we could have a good conversation now about how do we go about that. Do we play these guys the first four games? Do we kind of take our chances on Tusculum in week one since they're not a D1 school and then play them the next four? Do we stagger guys all across? Uh, what's your take, Dustin? Well, you, you said a few minutes ago, if we lost game two, what a disaster it would be. Well, if you lost game one, it quadruples. So yes. uh, to me, you can't. It, it's not Madden. We're not setting a depth chart, right? You're running practice squads. You're running too deep. So you can't have somebody on the two deep if they're not going to be eligible to play that week. So I don't want to adjust everything early on. I think you're going to play the first four games that are healthy, they're going to play. Then they're out. So I would much rather be 4-0, 3-1 with losing them at that point and having some easier games down the road, which we'll talk about a little bit, uh, to, to break some of the new guys in. So to me, whenever game you're, you're going to play. 
I think that's absolutely the way it should be too, especially when you have set expectations, you know, whether they mean anything or not, you know, the team says they want to go nine and oh, so, you know, you might as well start firing on all cylinders as soon as you can and try and get to that four and oh mark first, you know? So yeah, yeah the fireworks yeah. at halftime will have a different taste if it's a tied game. <laughs> now, <laughs> if you, if you go four and oh, you know, going four and oh and, you know, it's it's going to be very interesting because, you know, if you discover guys that are actually really good players and you want to keep the red shirt, like you're shutting them down after four weeks, it's going to, it's going to, it could be like a completely different team come, you know, week five. Um, there are going to be guys, I'm sure that we can stagger in and out. You know, if somebody has a, you know, a sore hamstring or something like that, this is the season to where, you know what, you need two to three weeks. Okay. You know, we'll take, we'll put you in against Sam Houston or hold you out. Um, So, you know, we have that luxury and that's not a luxury we have every season, but again, it's just going to, it's just going to be so, it's just going to be so weird. And just the conversation that the players are going to have, the coaches and players are going to have to have like say, Hey, you know, you're doing great. You're having so much fun. You know, you're a foundation of this program. You can't play. Um, Is this Dustin, do you think this is a, a choice they give the players or do you think this is, you know, mandated before the season and the expectations are set? Cause you don't want, you know, you don't want to lose the players eligibility, but you also don't want to upset them and say, Hey, you know what? This is, this is BS. You know, I'm, I'm out of here. You know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah. I think it has to be initiated by the player. And I believe that's kind of how some of it came up. I'm sure there's some strategy and some players were approached, but I believe they did the Q and a before media day as they moved into the season and some players asked about it, how are we going to be handled here? So I think every situation is a little bit different, but anyone that's willing to sacrifice that year to want to come back for FBS, we should do what we can to honor it. Heck, John, you mentioned uh, there being a little bit of wiggle room and you can be a little more lax on injuries and take two or three walks here or there. Heck, or two or three weeks off here or there. Heck, Mm -hmm. if you get hurt, you know, in early October, you could miss five, six weeks and not miss a whole lot. (laughs) You know, just heal up for the Sam Houston State game, which is probably the most interesting game on the schedule, so... Yes. And I'm I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, how it goes. And, you know, we're I think we're going to have some staple players as well. Um, Markeith Montgomery, um, Jonathan Murphy, guys who we know have already redshirted and are players like perhaps Al Hogan, Terrell Pax on the offensive line. We'll have those regulars, those guys that have already blown their red shirt. They're going to play, you know, every game. Um, and, you know, I think we'll kind of figure that out soon enough. Well, another um, unique advantage is when you have that big gap in October, you could have the Vineyard brothers on the practice floor. That's given the first team offense yeah. a much better look than what you were going to be getting before. So I think that's also a unique element to it. Right. And then just a little bit of foreshadowing, that last game in October is Lincoln. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you're going to go four weeks without playing a, a true <laughs> NCAA opponent. So. Yeah. Are you are you crapping on Lincoln, man? What did they do to you? <laughs> never, never, never. Nothing but oh, respect for uh, the Lincoln Oaklanders. I, I think that's their real name, but I'm not sure if you're just calling them that. Just to... No, it is legitimately the Oaklanders. Oh, the Oaks well. for short. Yeah. You know what? That's a, This is a good time to uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, transitioning on to our next topic, which is um, the offense. Uh, Kai, do you want to uh, introduce that? Yeah, um, you know, we've got a new offensive coordinator, like I alluded to earlier, uh, in Chris Klonakis, and he's got a lot of people excited just because of the quarterbacks he's worked with in the past. You know, he's got Colin Kaepernick at Nevada, which, you know, I found a few articles from back in the day about when he got the job in Nevada, and it was like, hey, who who on earth is this guy? Um, and it turned out pretty well for him. And then later, you know, he works with Lamar Jackson, 
um, at Louisville, somebody you may have heard of, you know, at some point or another. So, you know, there's a lot of excitement, you know, him bringing in this new system as we transition to FBS with, I think the, the type of player we still have, I think we want to stay mobile, you know, with our quarterbacks and uh, keep things spread out. You know, I'm not going to pretend to know a ton about offense, but you know, um, I think the guy's resume speaks for himself. So he's gotten my full support. Um, Dustin, what I want to know what your reaction was to the hire when it happened um, a few months ago. Yeah, excited. So a little bittersweet for me, a little, little bit of an option purist. Uh, and, and John knows this, but, you know, the rest of the group probably does not. Uh, the role changes, I think, sort of forced our hands, you know, more than anyone's willing to admit. And I, and I completely get that. So. I'm definitely open to the change. I think changing during the zombie season is the definite perfect time to do it. Uh, it's unique when you hear the term pistol. When you hear the term pistol, a lot of people think of a formation, which it absolutely is. There's teams that run single back, shotgun, pistol. You know, they're going to have eye formation sets, et cetera. Uh, it is not going to be a formation for us. It is going to be the offense. I mean, Planacus is kind of the co-creator of the pistol. So I do believe this is going to be it in its purest form, which I do kind of enjoy. So it's going to be different. Um, you know, we came from a triple where we're under center 85, 90% of the time. It kind of grew as, as the years went on. You're looking at 175 pound slot backs. You're looking at very tall, lengthy receivers to try to go get jump balls. You know, we're splitting out slots, that kind of thing. Quarterbacks inside run was a big thing that we did, especially on third and short, second and short, move the chain, going for fourth down, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's going to be different in a bunch of different ways. From presentation, it is definitely not going to look the same. Uh, so the point of the pistol is kind of a hybrid between single back and shotgun. So single back is kind of a power run. Shotgun helps your quarterback have visibility quick. You're backing the quarterback up three to four yards, gives him more visibility. Your, your tailback is going to be two to three yards behind him to, to not lose the power element. Um, offensive line, we're used to cutting 235-pound tackles. Not going to be the case anymore. You're going to be a lot larger. You're going to block people up, you know, you're straight up. We're going to see more tight end play probably against Hustle and then we saw in the last seven years combined. Uh, so you're going to yeah. see a whole lot more tight end action. Wide receivers, I think, are going to be a hybrid. There's a place for the big bodies, but true slot receivers have a place in this offense. Um, so I think it's going to be very versatile. You can see four wide sets. I think you're going to see inline tight ends. I think you're going to see H-backs move around. I think you're going to see a very healthy mix of it. There's some familiarity. You're going to see an element of some triple that's there. You're going to have a whole lot of zone reads. You're going to have, you know, fake the dive to the tailback. You have a slot receiver that's a – in motion who becomes your pitch guy so you're going to have a little bit of triple you're going to have a little bit of elements we're used to which i think makes the transition easier but from a presentation standpoint this is entirely different this is nothing we've ran before right and you know i grew up a tech fan so i was an option purist for a long time as well but um uh, i want to bring up you mentioned you know tight ends um and we have had some position changes so i want to talk a little bit about you know individual personnel um guys like you know preston daniels who was you know a b-back you know, in years past and was one of our bigger producers. Um, and then a guy like Isaac Foster, who can be kind of a Swiss army knife. Where would you like to see those guys fit into this new system? So Preston's going to be more of a move tight end, in my opinion. He's not going to be an inline guy that lines up by the tackle and blocks and in straight up, but he's going to be one of the guys we see in motion a lot. Just offset, almost like our wing backs, just 100 pounds larger, right? So we're going to see a lot of moves there, throws to the flat, a lot of blocking using his size, physicality, that sort of thing. Isaac, I don't think the change is as big. Where he lines up is a little different, but when we came out of the gun, he was in the slot a lot anyway. So you're going to have the ability for jet sweeps. You're going to have the ability for motions. And like I said, you can catch the pitch. You're still going to have the ability for him to run base routes just like he did before. 
Um, again, presentation where the quarterback is, where the back is, that's fine. But I think Isaac fits in almost perfect. Preston, completely new. That's going to be completely different to see that. But had a little glimpse of it at the spring game, right? And it looked like he adjusted pretty well. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch the acclimation process. One, one important note, we brought Klinakis in. So Coach K's here. He's implementing his offense, but he's kind of implementing it to the team and the coaching staff. So that learning curve may be a little bit more extreme than normal. A lot of times in OCs bring in their whole staff with them. So the education for the players and the position groups is a little bit faster. You're educating the coaches to educating the players here. I think that's going to be important to note. Right, totally. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the quarterback position. Uh, this is going to be Jonathan Murphy's first full year as a starter, or so we expect it to be. You know, as yeah. we've mentioned on podcasts previously, he's, you know, the the media poster boy um for you know the athletic department so I, I think all the expectation is that he's going to be the guy you know throughout the season and you know like I said it's his first full year of starting and you know you know last year of eligibility uh I believe um so this is his year um talk to me about what you expect out of him um and then you know the rest of the quarterbacks in that room what kind of looks they may or may not get throughout the season if that's something we should focus on you know for the future or if we should just let Jonathan ride it out? I, I let Jonathan go as much as we can. I think we're going to have some games where I hope we can blow the doors open and give guys opportunities. So I don't want to schedule those or take anything away from Murph. Um, I think the offense is a good fit, something that you're going to see a little bit different. When when we run keeps on the dive now, there's a lot of perimeter runs for the quarterback. Somebody with a first step like Murph, this this fits very, very well. And how, you know, in, in the last couple of years, how often have you seen us get to the third option in the triple? Totally. How totally. often have you seen it with, with Murphy there? It's, it's not something we've done a lot. I actually think this plays better for him than maybe any player on our team. It fits perfect. Quick quick first step. He was basically a, a two-man game player anyway. You had the, your zone reading and you're keeping it or you're not. There wasn't a lot of pitch play with Murph. So I think it fits. Uh, I do believe we're still run heavy. I, I know this is going to open it up more. I don't know that it's a 70-30 split, but I still think this is a – you know, 60, 40, 65, 35, I would imagine 260 to 280 rushing yards a game, 100, 120 passing yards a game. That, right. that is what I think this looks like. So you still think it's going to be pretty QB run heavy. Um, do. do you think with the way the new system is, do you think, you know, our QBs will be taking as big of a hit or because we're going to be more in the pistol now and less under center, you know, do you think that we'll be able to see it coming a little bit more? Uh, less blindside hits. What what do you take on that? Because I know in the past we've needed to make sure we had multiple QBs on standby because of how violent it is. It's still tough. Uh, I don't know if you can come down quite as hard. One, one challenge I think this gives to the defense is, if you remember the old Charleston Southern offenses for the mesh point, they would ride it out. You'd take two steps with the mesh point. There's none of this in a pistol. The, the back's running right through the quarterback. The decision has to be made quickly, and you have to have the speed to get outside. But if there's not enough speed to get outside on the perimeter, you're going to get tackled a lot. Less of those inside runs where you're trying to be almost like a goal linebacker pushing two to three yards. But at the same time, you know, Chandler was excellent at doing that and going and getting down and not taking damage. So I, I think it's going to be similar, maybe a little bit less taxing. Um, the concern is what does pocket presence look like? If we throw more, are you as comfortable in pass pressure? Okay. Okay. And uh, just one more thing I want to kind of touch on and get your take on, Dustin. Um, you know, we we've our recruiting is going to change. It's already changed. You know, we'll probably you know, I don't think the types of players that we're going to get are going to be drastically different on paper. Um, I think we're just going to be more consistent. And we're going to get more of those top end types that we've gotten more consistently spread throughout. Um, as far as the offense goes, 
you know, I know fans are excited about leaving, but I'm sure a lot of players are pretty excited too, which contributes to that renewed enthusiasm and energy, especially the wide receivers. You know, now we're probably going to be able to, you know, with a more modern offense, we're going to be able to bring in probably better wide receivers than we've seen since Sumter. And, you know, a guy like Sumter, honestly, we probably got lucky. We've been trying to find the next Sumter for what, five years and haven't been able to do it. You know, what's, what's your take on, you know, how, Number one, moving to FBS helps recruiting. And number two, how does, you know, how do you think the offense, the change in offense is going to help the recruiting? I mean, it's a game changer. Um, you know, how many triple O teams, whether it be FBS or FCS, puts guys in the NFL? And, and while risk, again, at G5 level is not high, it option is still there. You know, it, even with Travis being able to go do it from our defense, it's very, very hard in a very unique niche offense. So I definitely think it opens things up. Uh, the fact that we're recruiting tight ends is very different. The fact that it's a full scholarship. We're not talking people into partials now. We're not parceling out to go get to 63. We can go full to 85. So I think it's a significant change. I think it puts us in a lot of rooms we wouldn't have been in before. Uh, I love the fact that we're going to be able to go after that 210, 220-pound back to kind of use as our actual true running back, whereas before our slots were typically around 175, 180. You know, your B-backs typically you want them to be a little bit bigger. It was kind of hard for where does that position fit in. And, it's I think that's going to be something we see early and often. Right. You talk about um, just how many triple option teams put guys in the NFL. And, you know, that applies to literally every position on offense. You know, you recruit smaller O-linemen, guys who aren't going to make the league. Um, receivers, you know, get thrown to more than once or twice a game. Uh, tight ends exist. It's a smaller running back room. You know, quarterbacks yeah. actually throw the ball more than 10 times a game. So, yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, just to kind of transition here, you know, having this more modern offense helps our defense, too, by default. Um, in past seasons, you know, it could we've started very slow. And that's because, you know, could be partially because the defense is facing our triple O option and we don't really have that traditional quarterback. So when they get in there, they're kind of shell shocked and it takes a little while to adjust. Um, Dustin, how do you think, you know, having this more traditional offense uh, is going to help our defense? Yeah, I think it's fairly significant, mainly on practice team. When you're trying to replicate whoever we're going to go see, it's not quite as foreign. So you're going to have a little bit more normalcy on the route trees, receivers that have done it, quarterbacks that can throw it, that sort of thing. So I think we're going to be able to give better looks for sure. I think it's mm -hmm. a big deal. Well, that is like the annoying but kind of beautiful thing about FCS football is, you know, the mix of triple option teams and teams who run pro style offenses, you know, just kind of throws wrenches everywhere in your schedule. So. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. miss it. I, I mean, you know, I, I used to be all about, yay, FCS, rah-rah, FCS. And, you know, now I can be kind of one of those guys. It's like, ha-ha, look at those poor fools stuck in FCS. No, <laughs> um, I would never do that. I, I loved our time in FCS. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, I was initially, I think, kind of probably more against this move because I don't know if the school, you know, was ready for it money-wise and all around. But after, you know, the realignment that's going to take place, like, it's now or never. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we got in right when the train was leaving the station. We're that last guy running in the mud when the bus driver looks back and kind of sees them and stops and lets us in and then continues on again. That's us. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, just talking about our defense, you know, this in this zombie year, we have a new defensive coordinator as well. And you really couldn't have planned it any better on a script, you know, they've been coming up before last season telling us we can't run our offense, you know, it pisses everyone off. Bo was 
upset. I, I saw in an article yesterday from the AJC, he had, you know, we talked to Paul Johnson. He's like, coach, we can't run this offense anymore. And uh, Paul Johnson's like, run more counters. And I just read that. <laughs> and I'm like, mm. um, he's like, no coach, we can't. So this is the perfect time to reset everything. And, you know, the NCAA just put a swift kick in our ass um, for lack of a better term to do that. And, you know, I don't, I, I always wondered, we're probably never going to know if that rule was not put into place, would we have gotten a new offense for FBS or would we keep doing what we're doing? Um, just, I'm just curious what you guys think on that. I, I remember there being um, significant excitement amongst tech fans who just missed the Paul Johnson era of the, uh, the triple option, making it back to, you know, FBS play. And I was a little disappointed when, you know, found out that that wasn't going to happen. But, you know, you bring up Paul Johnson and I, I guarantee you if Paul Johnson was still in football, he would be trying still, you know, I mean, he was going to live and die by that offense. You know, that being said, um, along with all of the changes, it's like I had, I see nothing bad about the changes we're making. I just miss, you know, what what we're losing. So me too. I'm just trying. I'm just thinking in like a different world where that change, that rule change did not take place. Is Bohannon sticking with our what we've always been running and just stubborn on that? Or is he like, man, we're moving up a level. We we need to modernize. We need to do this. What do you think happens, Dustin, if that rule change never came into effect? So I think two factors really matter. What's the record last year? How successful were we? Uh, do you still lose your OC? That's kind of the two things for me. Because if you go to the playoffs, what does that coaching tree for Bohannon look like? He kind of followed Paul for forever. Uh, a lot of those assistant coaches have kind of moved on. Do we have somebody else we're comfortable handing the OC role to to stay there or not? But, yeah, if we're in the playoffs last year, through running the offense, I have a hard time thinking Bo gives it up easy. Good take. Good take. And uh, so transitioning to defense, um, kind of like we did uh, earlier on, you know, Dustin, we got uh, Nathan Burton. I think he was, what, a co-defensive coordinator or defensive coordinator in name only at uh, Georgia Tech. Um, now he's leading the Owls defense. Um, you know, I think Owls fans are, were kind of looking forward to this uh, move or just honestly any move you could have named, like, I don't know, the Captain Crunch guy or the Pillsbury Doughboy, the defensive coordinator. And all these people on Twitter would be celebrating that until the actual game started. Uh, but Nathan Burton is stepping in. What are your first reactions, first thoughts? I'm a young, enthusiastic, excited for that. It's a, it is a tough read. This is the first real defensive coordinator job we've seen. So I haven't seen this before for him. So uh, to me, you're going back and looking at a lot of the Jeff Collins tape, right? You're looking at the Temple groups. You're looking when he first got to Georgia Tech. I know it changed a couple of times over the two to three years there, but what did that look like? I expect more of a 4-3 look. Um, I do expect you to have four down linemen. Your weak side defensive end is going to be more of your rush guy. I do think you're going to have that weak side backer or, you know, your, your Sam backer is going to play outside the hash. It's a lot like the Bryson Armstrong role. I think it's going to be very, very similar. I think you may see some more combo coverages, not pure zone all the time. Uh, I'm, the most curious thing, I guess I would say, is I've seen two interviews where he said attack, attack, attack three times. Um, I saw that, nervous. yeah. Makes me nervous, not going to lie. It was at the spring game, and again, it was the other one. That's I'm a, a little more conservative. I love to see 12 plays down the field and let the offense make a mistake versus busted coverages and a whole lot of pressure. So I don't know what that means. I think that's going to be fun to see. Uh, but really, I think – it's hard to color that in until we get to Tuscaloosa. One uh, interesting thing that I haven't seen anybody mention is, uh, you know, he oversaw a transition from a triple option offense to, you know, 
uh, a more pro style offense um, under tech. It was, you know, mostly unsuccessful, which is worth the mention, but yeah, just, <laughs> you know, sticking with his time at tech. Um, I do think he got kind of an unfair rap there because he was really, you know, third in command of that defense behind Thacker and Collins himself. Um, yeah. So I don't think, you know, his time at tech is fair to judge him on. Um, and he was also, rumored to kind of be like a safe or a face saving fire, you know, in the, before the last Collins year. So um, it's, it's, he's an unknown. Um, But like you said, first real DC we've had. So, you know, we'll give him his role. Yep. And, uh, you know, just talking personnel, you know, we, you know, just we're losing obviously Travis Bell, who's, you know, competing for a roster spot with the bears. Uh, We we're losing big Desmond Scott. who has been a fixture. You know, you can you notice him because he's like 315 pounds on the defensive line over the past four years or so. You know, we are returning some, you know, big time players, you know, Joel Parker, um, Markeith Montgomery, um, Garland, uh, Benyard at linebacker um, and some other players as well. Um, DeAndre Morris stood out last year as a possible guy who could take a step to the as a playmaker. You know, what do you see, Dustin, in terms of our uh, personnel? You know, obviously, you know we're talking the first four games, five games perhaps, but who are those guys that we should be, you know, looking at to either, you know, be impact players or take that next step? Yeah. I mean, obviously excited to continue to see Vineyard grow. Uh, I think he's going to play that hybrid linebacker slash safety role that plays uh, again in the flat slot side of the field, run people down. Uh, He's fun to watch in that role. The defensive end room is going to be interesting to me. I think Joel Parker probably plays the strong side. Who's the weak side defensive end? And I know we have had an injury there early, but again, with no depth charts, that's going to be curious to see uh, guys like Jordan Miles that transferred in. I'm curious. Is that is that a Leo position? They weak side defensive end. Is that what they want to see there? Um, uh, Silas at middle linebacker. He was maybe young and over his head last year, but very excited to see the growth there. I'll uh, get him another year in the weight room of different scheme. Maybe that even fits him a little bit better. Marquise, I think the Swiss Army knife. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, Chance, you know, he, he's had a little bit of an up and down career chance gamble that is but absolutely his name is an up and down career (laughs) (laughs) so excited to see him uh absolutely can high point i remember watching his high school film and almost wanting to play receiver in the triple o just because of how well he can go high point of all i believe he was at fitzgerald so Mm -hmm. excited to see those guys a lot of new faces there's a lot of bodies to rotate inside uh it's hard to replace a guy like travis bell who you know i loved from recruiting until the fact that you know he may be in the nfl team now so uh, Scott's obviously a big body, but if we have a four down lineman, I think we'll be okay inside. Just very curious to see the corners, very curious to see who's that rushing. Mm. Do we have somebody that can consistently go put pressure on a quarterback? Yeah. And I, I think that we, you know, we do have some people like also Jamar Rux, the transfer from App State Absolutely. is definitely a body to look at. Adam Watkins and Carlos Allen, I feel played well. And both of those are approximately, you know, 290, 300 pounds. Uh, in that ballpark, I think we'll see some steps up there. Uh, Puda Walker is going to be an interesting one. West Florida, another 300-pound body. So, you know, like you said, we're going to see some new faces, but and and we're really going to see, you know, get a preview of, you know, who we can rely on for next year. And ultimately, you know, after, you know, winning the games, you know, we obviously want to win first, but we also want to evaluate for next year you know, we'll kind of see who we can count on, who we can rely on to put, to move up and, you know, to FBS. And, uh, you know, I guess if, you know, I guess if Dustin, if you had uh, one player to watch on both sides of the ball as guys that maybe is not a star player now, but you're like, 
man, this guy, I think if he just, you know, can take that next step, he could be the next Bryson or the next Sumter or the next this or the next that. Who are your guys? So offense, it may not be this single year, but I am curious to watch Carson Kent a little bit more. We haven't seen a tight end or this body type at all. I think that's something that's going to be kind of unique for us. Um, you know, obviously, Binyard, I think, is an excellent fit in this offense. I don't – I think he can play both. I think you can see him in the backfield, uh, sort of behind Murph. I also think you can see him in that slot, especially when we go four wide. I think him and Isaac in the slots could be could be fun to watch. But there's, there's another step there. Uh, defensively, I'm very curious to see what Markeith does. You know, we blitzed him a ton last year. He was immensely effective. So hearing Thacker say attack, 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 uh, you know, I still remember his recruiting tape from Ridgeland and thinking he was going to be a great slot back for us. And he ends up being one of the better DBs we've ever had. So I'd love to see him cap off the season with a with, with a big year. Yeah. And, yeah well, you, men and you mentioned Carson Kent, um, yeah. you know, somebody, you know, I talked to various people and I remember one person telling me like, man, Carson Kent's the real deal during practice, et cetera, et cetera. Um, somebody else told me, you know, Rowan Darnell, you know, take it for what it's worth. Um, Rowan Darnell was looking pretty good. And, you know, it, it's just interesting how, you know, we made the change to the offense and we've moved people around, like recruiting Gatlin Hancock as an offensive lineman. Now he's a tight end. Recruiting Seth Adams as a tackle. Now he's a tight end. Um, just recruiting all these QBs as Q, you know, now moving them to DB. So, you know, it's it's going to be fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to watch the tight end room because I really believe you're going to have your movers, which is going to be your wing backs. It's going to go in motion a lot. Uh, it's going to chip defensive ends. It's going to catch the ball in the flats, which, you know, like, like press control. I think you have guys like Carson that could potentially be split out wide or go in line, do a little bit of both. Moving our tackles over to tight end probably means that's more of your inline blocker, right? So it's one tight end room, but I think that's going to be carved up a little bit. I think you're going to have movers and you're going to have more of your inline guys. Love okay. to see uh, positionless football, but uh, I got nothing else to add on defense. If y'all want to start getting to some of these games that we well, got coming up, I actually have one couple more things I want to touch on. Um, let's talk about you know special teams. Um, we don't want to forget those guys; they're football players too, and you know they they could probably kick our ass if they wanted to if we left them out, even though they are just kickers and punters. So um, you know, last year you know we had um, I think it was Hewitt at punter. And Connor Cummins as the kicker. Uh, Cummins, you know, I, I feel like he's the biggest leg that we've had as a as a kicker since we got here. You know, we started off with um, Thompson was our first real kicker. And then Robertson, who was kind of hit or miss. Um, but I think Cummins has a little bit, I feel like he has a little bit better size. And I think he hit the longest one in KSU history. Um, how are you guys feeling about special teams or so I've never been confident in a kick in the eight years that I've watched Kansas State play football. Uh, no knock on any of the kicks, but never comfortable till we see it there. Yeah, I, I mean the uh, the skill gap between uh, you know the higher level college kickers and the lower level college kickers is huge. So you know it's it would never be like watching. Uh, I was going to say Alabama, but that's probably a terrible comparison. You know, it's not like watching a, an SEC team or an ACC team kick, you know, where they had a guy who was, you know, the best kicker in whatever state they're from. So, well, the yeah. Saints had Georgia State's kicker for, they did. Uh, I don't know if they still do for, well, quite that's a while. for a long yeah. time. Yeah. I believe the only GSU alum in the NFL that may have changed, but yeah. So, do you guys think that we are going to play our redshirting games? You know, like, for example, we actually have a hunter on scholarship this year, uh, Jacob Ulrich. If he's really good, like, do we 
I guess, do we redshirt him? Do we redshirt Connor Cummins if he comes out and, you know, is nailing 45, 50 yarders at will, or do we just, just let him go? What do you guys think? I'd, I'd still redshirt him. If they're wanting to redshirt, not wanting to put the film on, I would still, I would hold back anything I can hold back. Any unknown that we can check the box on this year to focus on what those deficiencies are this offseason, getting ready for next spring ball and getting ready for absolutely the hardest schedule we've ever seen, which is next year. Uh, I want as much, many bullets as we can in the chamber. I, in completely, the I completely agree with both of you guys. You know, it's like there are other guys on the roster. Give somebody else a chance to kick and punt <laughs> and save your big guns for later. Which, which basically means we could be having, you know, our second string uh, kicker for the second half of the season. So, mm-hmm. you know, Godspeed to our kicking game. Um, and we'll be, we'll be longing for the Robertson years, um, you know, possibly before long. I do want to make a note just because you brought up Will Lutz. With Kennesaw moving up to the FBS level, it puts pressure on us because we will be the only FBS school in the state of Georgia without a kicker in the NFL. Well, that could change this year. No, it's not. <laughs> um, Southern so, has two of them. So give us some time, man. Give us some mm-hmm. time. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just want to touch on uh, one last thing before we go on to the game by game. Um, we're losing, you know, we've already lost our offense coordinator, defensive coordinator. Let's talk about our strength and conditioning coaches. We've had Jim Caritzi, the angry bearded man on the sidelines. Um, if you're a season ticket holder, you'll know, you'll know him. You'll be like, who is that guy? Is he a coach? What, what, why is he so angry? Why is he, why is he so animated? Well, that's coach Caritzi. He's very intense. Um, we got Eric, Alex Darenthal from, uh, Georgia state as our new strength and conditioning coach. Um, sometimes it's good to change just to break up routine monotony. Um, you know, change could also be better. Change could also be worse. We don't know. Um, Dustin, what's your initial reaction to coach Caritzi leaving and coach Darenthal coming in? I hate it. I mean, uh, nothing against our new strength and conditioning coach, but obviously coach K, I liked a ton, a lot of energy on the sideline. Uh, I don't know how many times he would talk to the fans as he was going through the tunnel, as he would always make interactions and speak to everybody. So he was there when it started, got to build his own program. I'm happy for him. I think it's going to kind of, the biggest optimism maybe would be our injuries the last two to three years were through the roof. And I'm curious, what what kind of role did that play? You know, strength and conditioning, did it play a role there or did it not? Maybe that's something that we can go watch. Are we a little bit more healthy with a, you know, with a, with a different set of eyes on it? We'll see. Yeah, it could, like you said, it could just be dumb luck or bad yeah. luck or could, you know, could be something contributing to it. But one thing that you said got me thinking, you called him Coach K. There's only room in this town for one Coach K and one sheriff, and that's Coach Klonakis. So I think once Coach Klonakis got the job, he said to Coach Bo, you know, you got to get rid of this guy or I'm not coming here. And that's that's what brought in Coach. No, I'm just kidding, guys. Don't start that rumor. Um, so that, yeah. So moving on, unless you guys have anything to add to uh, the special teams of the defense, um, we're just going to cover, uh, you know, a little game by game uh, predictions, interesting points, tidbits, nothing too detailed. Uh, so we'll kind of gloss over um, Tusculum to start, just like we are. We're going to gloss over all the teams and we'll kind of wrap back up and talk a little bit more about our week one matchup against Tusculum. Yeah. Um, so August 31st, next week, next Thursday, 7 p.m. versus Tusculum. Um, they are not, you know, they're not a division one school. Um, you know, I, I don't think people are super excited for this game. They're excited because it's Kennesaw State football. They're not excited for the opponent, but they did go, I believe, what, eight and three last mm-hmm. year. I think their QB 
uh, is coming back now as like a junior, or I assume he's back. You know, what are your thoughts? Just just some initial quick thoughts on Tusculum, and we'll talk more about it later. Yeah, uh, you know, they're a respectable D2 team. Um, we have no business losing this game. Um, not a whole lot more to add. Yeah, Dustin, you got anything? Similar place for me. I mean, I think they're the wide open attack they seem to do on offense is interesting. Defensive minded head coach, I think he'll take the challenge personally. So, you know, he's probably doing a little bit of what I did, which was watching 2010 Nevada versus Hawaii highlights to get a glimpse of what we're going to run. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, September 9th, uh, Saturday, 6 p.m. at Chattanooga. It's our first game. Whoa, Kai. You look like a ghost for the for all of those who are um, not watching on the video. He t- Kai just turned on a lamp and it looked like he was like straight out of like the Ghostbusters movie, just glowing super white. And, and, like, nobody's going to see it video or not because everybody talking. goes to so the video. It, it doesn't matter. Nobody's going to see it video or not. You're uh, you're Every- misleading him, John. <laughs> uh, everybody needs to go to the video and we'll find the timestamp where Kai turns into a ghost and we'll let you know. Um, so at sat Saturday, September 9th at Chattanooga, um, for me personally, um, I'm just excited that we're playing Chattanooga because, you know, number one, it just geographically makes sense. The right up 75. Um, I know where Dustin lives and that's probably right around the corner from him. So if yeah. he misses that one, I'm going to be very mad at him since he's been to every home game. Um, and you know, there's still an FCS. So I don't know how often we're going to get to play them in the future. So this is our one chance to kind of get them. You know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, when Liberty left, we got that last laugh at Liberty football beating them the last time. I want that for Chattanooga. And that's my original. That's my, that's my first feelings. What about you, Kai? Yeah. um, I'm excited for the trip. Chattanooga is a great town. I've been in that stadium, not for a football game. I saw a soccer game up there years ago, but you know, it's, they're one of the cooler FCS programs, in my opinion. You know, cool color, cool logos, cool mascot, whatever. Um, it'll, hey, your it'll, mascot is named Scrappy, too, right? right. And we can't I, have that. I, I can't confirm that. That may or may not be true. But I, I think you're right. But, yeah, you know, unless they decide to make the jump up to FBS and pay the $5 million fee sometime in the future, this is going to be the only time we play at their stadium. So, um go up soak it all in it's a it's a game we'll probably be an underdog in but you know one we could certainly win um still going to be a lot of uncertainty you know i don't think we're gonna prove a whole lot in the tusculum game it'll just kind of be like a little teaser little taste test so yes uh schematics wise i haven't looked at their um their system a ton i do know that they have the ucla transfer at quarterback who is favored to be the starter and then they've got a freshman that they really like but other than that, I don't know too much about their personnel. And Dustin, you lived you live in that area. Can you confirm if the mascot is Scrappy? I cannot confirm if the mascot is Scrappy. Okay, we'll have to look that up. I might be misremembering, but I'm like 98% sure. But what's your first thoughts on uh, Chattanooga? Uh, I think it's a push game. I mean, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's kind of a, a coin flip for me. This is going to be an upper echelon SOCON team. I think preseason they're ranked fourth at, at their media day. Um, again, usually a pretty physical brand of football. I do think our lines are going to be relatively physical, especially early in the year. So I'm excited for the matchup. But but again, I think this is a close one. Okay. Uh, any predictions? What's your prediction on this one, Kai? Um, you know what? I'm going to be nice this time around because of what's around the corner. 
Um, I'm going to say we go in, things really click, and we surprise them, and we beat them 27 to 24. We hit some big field goals down the stretch. Whoa. Whoa, big field goals down. Somebody has a lot of confidence in our <laughs> kicking game. and Look, man, I, I, was a, appreciate I, I was a kicker in high school, so, you know, I got to always believe. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So you can bench like 500 pounds, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Big lifter here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with you guys. I, I'm going to go on the side of, you know, it's the owls, you know, we have that good, good juju going. Uh, Coach Bohannon's very happy with the off season. You know, I think we're going to come up on top of Tusculum, get the momentum. I think we're going to win. I'll say owls by 10. Um, and, you know, this transitions us to our uh, first real FCS home game. Um, we're going to be uh, going up against uh, Furman. Uh, we played them, I believe, what was it, like 2017, Dustin? I know you and you, I think you were there. I know I was there. Yeah, I was there. Um, 16 or 17. 16 or 17, yeah. And that that was the game where we couldn't do anything wrong on offense in the first half. We were yeah. up, what, like 28 nothing, and then we couldn't yeah, stop that, them in the second half, and we hung on yeah. to win by like 52-42 or something obscene, something like that. Yeah, it was big play after big play early, and then at the end of the game, we had – you know, Blackman's parents yell and get out of zone to <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the game. So, uh, which I don't know if we ever did, by the way. It's funny what you. It's funny what you remember from these things. Um, I I could be misremembering, but isn't is that the game where we set our record for most receiving yards? I I honestly have no idea if I'm pulling that out of my butt, but um, it's got, that's another record that I I feel like is going to fall hopefully within the next couple of years. Uh, most receiving yards in a game end of the year. So um, hopefully that uh, goes through. Um, any, uh, you know, Furman's supposed to be a pretty good team this year. Uh, we do have them at home, though. Uh, this is a week after the Chattanooga game. Uh, what are your thoughts, Kai? Yeah, um, they've got a really good quarterback. Um, he, I know, committed to Presbyterian originally. And I think he was part of that whole weird thing where they had that one high school coach who like never punted and would like onside kick it and just like throw the hell out of the ball all the time. Um, and he, you know, he got his change of scenery, put up some really good numbers, both through the air and on the ground for him. Um, they've got a lot of returning production everywhere. I think they're preseason number seven. Um, so, you know, in the nicest way possible, there's no shame in losing this game. Um, they will probably beat us. Um, and I bring up the saying that there's no shame in losing this game because, you know, we're, we're moving up a level and they're not, but the fact is this year we're still FCS and they're still FCS and they're, they're a better FCS team than we are. Um, I don't think they blow us out of the water, but I think it's probably going to be something like a 28 to 17 finish. Yeah. And we, we do have the extra 20 scholarships, but at the same time we're playing this whole red shirt roulette here. I don't know what else to call it. Um, so, you know, that 20 is really not as big as it sounds. What do you got, Dustin? Yeah, I think the article that I saw yesterday said we kind of split the difference between the 63 and 85. So I believe we're actually about 72, 74 right now as far as scholarship players. So with the red shirt roulette, I don't think it's going to be a huge advantage. Um, you know, go back to look at Jacksonville State's schedule last year. They were impressive. I still think it was more of a rich rod deal. But when we played them at JSU last year, it was a subpar Kennesaw team that pushed them to the limit. Look at what Sam Houston did. Um, definitely a letdown. Uh, wouldn't sleep on Keeler at all. So that's that's kind of interesting. I, I think it's a winnable game. Uh, I do not think we'll be favored to win. Um, gun to my head, 31-21 for me. Yeah. I, it's at home, so, you know, we have that, we have that chance. 
but I'm probably going to have to, you know, go with Furman there. You know, it's going to light a fire under us. We got two road games after that. So I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Furman by a, you know, by a touchdown. Um, so after that, uh, the following week, we go on the road uh, to Tennessee Tech um, for Saturday at six o'clock. Um, I guess that's Eastern, but who cares? You guys figure it out. Um, what's your take on that guy? Yeah. Um, Tennessee tech has not been very good the last few years. Uh, they anything. Yeah. They, uh, including web design, their website (laughs) is horrendous, but, um, (laughs) they, they keep extending their coach Dwayne Alexander. Um, and he's got a record of something like 16 and 36. Um, so I don't know what they see in this guy, but, you know, Dustin, I know you said that you've been up to Cookville. I don't know what that atmosphere is like. I can't imagine that it's all that intense. So um, I think we go up there and we get an early season road win. Um, and I, I think we could beat them comfortably. I think it'll be like, you know, 34-14. Yeah, and well, in fairness, it rained about two hours before kickoff. So so it was definitely down. And, and we had, again, I think that was 515-ish yards rushing, zero yards passing. It, we were out to send a message in that one, but – uh, I'm sort of in alignment. Oddly enough, I think they were preseason ranked in their media poll fourth, which was a little higher than I than I kind of expected. But in in their uh, conference, yeah, so I think they only have seven teams in their conference. So still they, middle of the pack, isn't it the the Big South OVC? It's the oh, I forgot they they've yeah. merged this year. Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought it was still just the OVC. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there's so much drama in the OVC. <laughs> Yeah. Used to be, reference. It used to be a fantastic college basketball conference. 34-23 Owls. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm going to say Owls by 14. Um, so, you know, right now we are sitting at three and one, um, I guess, by our consensus picks. Um, and because it's a nine game season, we're now at the midpoint or so um, where we the next week, uh, September 30th, uh, we go to Charleston Southern. Um, our arrival. Um, you know, if I had to choose a game to win outside of, you know, obviously the the three non-D ones, you know, I think I would want, you know, Sam Houston first because they're FBS and just payback from 2017. I think I'd go Charleston Southern second and then Chattanooga and like the order I really want to win. Um, just, you know, I I talked a lot of crap back in the day on Twitter with uh, some of the Charleston Southern coaches and I think some p- former players. Um, I still keep up with them. I think we follow each other now, one or two. And after every uh, every every time we beat them, I send them a tweet saying, "Hey, I was on top" or something like that. Um, so you know, I'm just hoping for something for something good here. But what do you got, Kai? Yeah, uh, weird story. Before this goes way way back, before the Kennesaw football program existed, um, the FC the FCS team I used to keep up with and follow was Coastal Carolina. And that used to be a big rivalry. You know, obviously, I don't care for Coastal anymore, but um, never liked Charleston Southern all that much. Uh, Like you said, it's going to be the last installment of this rivalry. Um, And we've had their number for a minute now. So uh, I hope we send them out with an ass kicking. And I think we probably do. Um, They were pretty terrible last year. They kind of figured it out towards the end of the season, Um, but they've got a new head coach. So it's all reset. So they have just as much uncertainty as we do. Um, I think we beat them. Uh, we'll call it 28, 20. And you gotta, you gotta remember though, that this could be the first game where the red shirt roulette starts to really take effect. And some of our, again, we're, we're playing blind here. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't even have a depth chart. Cause like I said, we're recording a week before the season started. 
There might right. be guys popping up who we don't even know exist. Right. Um, you know, like there's there's guys that have popped up in the past that have got on the roster in the middle of the season, and then they're starting by the end of the season. Like Matt Frank, for one, rest in peace, former Owls offensive guard. He pops up in like week three, four, or something like that. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Now he's starting. And he's right. like the starter for like the next year or two. So, uh, Dustin, what do you got on uh, Charleston Southern? So the new head coach is interesting to me. You know, that was Jamie Chadwell's OC when he was there before. So I do think you'll see that offense come back, which will be unique. Hopefully he doesn't have the same two backs there when when they beat us for the title our, our second year in 2016. But uh, I, I think we we win big here. I'm saying 38-17 out. Okay. And what do you, you've been to Charleston Southern before yourself. You know, what can you tell us about the drive or the environment, that kind of thing? Yeah, the, the drive's not bad. The environment was interesting. Uh, last year, they made a strategic move. Well, the last time I was there, they made a strategic move to put the home band by the visitor sideline, which was very interesting because they had a lot of the same music that we did. And, of course, we turned those into owl chants. And it was a blowout at halftime, so it was a pretty fun game to go to. I will say we are kind of we are kind of being spoiled as fans with some of these road games like Chattanooga and Charleston oh, yeah. are, are pretty nice places to be. <laughs> yeah, that I'll is true. Taking a trip to Charleston for sure. That is true. But if you go to Charleston, you know it's a six p.m. game, so you know you're at you know you you can leave during the day, no problem. But you know if you want to make it, you know make it back without spending on the hotel, you're playing a dangerous game there. You gotta you know sleep in real late and then leave right after the game, drive all night. And Airbnb, baby. Save a hundred bucks. Sleep in, uh, sleep in somebody's room. Late September. I, I plan to make a little beach trip out of it. I think we still have enough heat. There you go. There you go. What Airbnb. I was thinking about sleeping in my car. No, I'm just kidding. No. Well, I mean, when I went down to the Florida Gulf Coast basketball game last year, my Airbnb was a van in St. Petersburg, which is an hour and a half outside of Fort Myers. But, you know, just trying to be steady. Hi. Are you from Oregon? <laughs> Uh, believe it or not, no. <laughs> okay, just have to ask. I'm a Northwest soul, though, I guess. <laughs> apparently, apparently, at least a West Coast soul. Um, so the next uh, next game is the following week. It's at home versus uh, Tennessee State, uh, 3 p.m. October 7th. Uh, so you know, I think we all agree that we're going to beat Charleston Southern. So we were hope we're hopefully looking at four and one going into that. Um, I'm personally not excited about Tennessee State. You know, just. Doesn't really do anything for me. It's just it's just there. It's better than you know Lincoln or Virginia Lynchburg or Tusculum. But you know I'm not excited. What's your first thought, Kai? I I did kind of feel the same way you do. Uh, it's the game I keep forgetting that we play this year, um, which I think is unfair because Tennessee State is an interesting program with a lot of history and you know uh, has put greats in the NFL and they're coached by Eddie George. Um, so you know there's there's the interesting storyline there. Um, they had a really, really good defense last year, but they only averaged like 18 points per game on offense. You know, I think, uh, George's leash is getting shorter because he's been there like two or three years and they haven't won a whole lot. So, um, this is the most, uh, I don't know if extreme is the right word, but the most, the, the, the swingiest game, this, I, I am the least certain about my prediction in this game. Um, I want to give us the benefit of the doubt, but also I think Tennessee state um, is coming close to turning a corner, just looking at like their returning production. So I'm going to say on the road, we lose um, against a really solid defense. 21 uh, 17. Yeah. And this game is at home, but also looking at oh, the schedule. My fault. Yeah. This game is at home. Also looking at the schedule. It could be a trap game. You know, we're coming off hopefully two big road wins. Um, I hear, I have here on my notes, big ass gap. 
as our next opponent, meaning three weeks in a row off. So everybody could have their eyes on their vacation or whatever they're doing uh, the following week. I imagine Bo is going to give them some time off. So, you know, it's easy to look ahead here. So this this is a game I think we would normally win, but it could be a trap game. What's your take, Dustin? Yeah, same. Um, I am going to say Owls 27-21. Um, I think they're, again, kind of that middle of the road in that Big South OVC. I don't think they're anything special. Uh, I think we're going to be enough talent still there to roll through everything. As long as we're healthy, that's the biggest concern that I have. Um, the quarterback room is just so hard to read. So if anything happens there, I'll bet you're off. I, I think we're going to, uh, you know, just make this. I think this is one of those games where we're going to make life a lot harder on ourselves, but we're going to end up winning. Like Bo is going to have like his eyes are going to bulge out, possibly drop on the floor like a cartoon character. You know, Coach Klinakis bends over, picks him up, puts him back in Bo's head and he continues to berate the team in the locker room. So I, I think it's going to be one of those type of things. But I think, you know, like you guys said, I think I think we'll pull this out. Um, and then after that, you know, assuming we win that, we're going to either be, you know, what's it five and one or four and two, something like that. Um, we have a gap and this gap, you know, we only have nine games. So our next game is October 28th. Our last game, Tennessee State is October 7th. So we could either try and find a school that has to cancel a game for some unfortunate circumstance, maybe sneak them in for the week prior to October 28th or the week after October 7th. I don't know. Or we can just, you know, get really, we can get really, really healthy for Lincoln University. Yeah, that's the goal. And we need all our bodies to beat Lincoln. Um, no, uh, we could beat Lincoln probably with our practice squad. Um, what, what are your, what's your take on this? Just this layoff? Um, well, funny enough, uh, this game's kind of been beaten to death, not only by our fan base, but by the other FCS schools that are playing Lincoln. It's like four or five other schools. Um, Lincoln is slightly more respectable than the team we played no, what two about, weeks what about three, the, what or about two, three the, weeks after Lincoln. What, what, do you think about the, what do you think about the layoff? Oh, the layoff? Games. Um, if some team has to, you know, cancel a game because their opponent had some freak accident or something, sure, let's throw them in. Let's go, you know, let's go play Virginia or somebody. You know, it, it happens. So, I I don't know. It's it's going to be boring not to have games to go to. That's That's all I got. What do you think, Dustin? Do you, do we commit to the gap and just say, hey, the players, you know, this is this is it, or do we kind of keep our eyes open for another game? What do you think, Dustin? Yeah, I don't see anything falling this close to the season. I'd be very surprised to see anything work itself out. I would like to be strategic with it, take a week off. Maybe you do a scrimmage, no contact on the QBs. Maybe you're sitting Irv, Marquis, you know. Who hasn't played yet from that practice squad? What do they look like with the ones? You know, what does this yeah. guy come like with the twos? I really think you have a chance to hit the reset button for the last couple of games and get some new bodies in there. So for yeah. us, it might be a little boring, but I think it breeds a lot of opportunity for the back half of the roster. That's a very good point. And it might be, it's probably going to end up being, if we do pick up a game, it's going to be a last minute thing, you know, where a school's going to, you know, pay us a large amount to probably get destroyed. Um, mm. So, you know, if somebody's going to pay us, you know, $500,000 or something like that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. We'll be mercenaries, whatever. I'm not too proud. Um, we can really, you know, probably use that money. Um, like the administration would agree with you. I was going to say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they can, they can hire some more executives or whatever they use that money. The, the um, may not. <laughs> <laughs> we can build another sign. <laughs> you can build, yes, we could build a sign out for a second sign. Third um, sign. They, uh, they redid the sign by East deck for no reason. <laughs> Just a few oh. months ago. Well, we got to make sure we have a sign on like every entrance and exit. Mm -hmm. 
five signs by every entrance and exit. But yeah. uh, but now let's talk about what I know what you really want to talk about. What the people are here for is Lincoln University. Um, Kai, I know you have done a lot of research on them and want to get that off your chest. Uh, yeah, I did do extensive research on them when the, this game was announced. Um, they've been around for two full seasons. This is their third full year. Um, as you know, um, they don't pay their coach or their AD. They, well, their coach and their AD are the same person. Um, I should mention that, um, that they have about 500 students and about a hundred of them are on the football team. So there's that they have won three games as a program. They won two last year. One of them was against some D three or NAI team, um, somewhere in New York and it was played on a high school field and they won by like 70. Um, and then they beat Bluefield state, um, which is a D two school in West Virginia, not a great D two program, but they did beat a D two team on the road last year. So, um, I mean, their program is trending in the right direction, I guess. Um, I, I respect what they're doing. I think the staff really cares about what they're doing. Uh, that being said, they, they have no business on our schedule and, um, Kennesaw will beat them by as much as they decide to. Do we, do we kind of take an extra week and make it like a, you know, a full month vacation and just let the club football team handle this one? Or, you know, what, what do we do there? Uh, but no. Uh, my prediction on this one, I'm I'm gonna say Kennesaw State wins 69 to nothing. What do you got, Dustin? What do you got on this one? Well, 42-3. I think you know I said we were gonna be probably a 60 to 65 percent run team. I think this is a game you may throw 70 percent in the first half to, to just to get some skeleton routes in. I mean, this is live bodies, not a whole lot of risk because you know you can go turn it on. Um, I think you're up big. You're sitting them in the fourth. Hopefully, not a running clock. But I'll say 42-3. You did sneak and, in the, the three points. Um, that's fair because if there's a game to play, you know, a full lineup of walk-ons in the fourth quarter, this would be the game. So, you know. Yeah. And John Wilkes Booth said the same thing about Lincoln. Live body right there. Okay, I won't go there. But too soon, guys. Too soon. <laughs> but no. Um, so next on our schedule, November 4th, the following week, is uh, Sam Houston State. Um, th- this is the one game where the time is uh, to be announced. So uh, that's a bit of a mystery. So if you guys are going to get your tickets, just got to keep tuned to that. Uh, me and Dustin, we both went together to that game in Houston for the playoffs. And if you listen to our podcast earlier this year, um, well, I'll just leave it at end around to Ezra Naylor and we'll go on from there. Um, DJ Hall on the tackle. <laughs> you, you already know. It's like one of those moments you can't forget. It's like, I went all this way and we ran a damn end around to a freshman. Uh, but no, this is the game I want to win. You know, I met some very nice people at Sam Houston State when we went there. Some very nice, good fans. Um, so, you know, they, you know, I think they they respect us as well as a football program. But I do want to, you know, win this or at least compete just to kind of say, hey, we can hold our ground in the FBS so close mm-hmm. to you know, because this will be our real last game before we uh, mm. before we jet, uh, not counting Virginia Lynchburg. So, mm. yeah, and it's going to be our last chance to beat an FBS team as an FCS team. Um, you know, even though it's basically a technicality, you know that is still the case. Um, and it's a game that will be an underdog in, but it's far from an unwinnable game. Um, you know, uh, weird note about. Uh, Sam Houston State is Jordan Yates is a running back on that roster and he was the quarterback starting quarterback at Tech when they beat us um, just a few years back and he lit us up so familiar foe there we'll have a chance to get revenge on him so that is interesting what do you got on this one Dustin yeah Keeler's a good one I I think the record last year is very very misleading I think he definitely didn't mortgage the future 
to get ready for this season. Uh, they're going to need wins wherever they can get them. I think they're preseason dead last in the Conference USA. So that's going to be some bulls and board fodder for them for sure. Um, this is a tough game to go win, in my opinion, late in the season, off the gaps, off the Lincoln game. Your red shirts that you've probably burned through for the guys that you didn't want to use. Um, yeah. I say 31 13, San Houston. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in the same boat. You know what? I'm just. I'm just going to say the damn same thing because I have no idea. 31-13, let's, let's just do it. Um, so I'll so be interesting if that ends up 31-13 for real. But uh, like I said, me and Dustin, we we went to that game. Uh, what are some of your memories from Sam Houston? I kind of spoke about this earlier in the year, my biggest memories from the trip. Houston kind of, one, Houston kind of sucks. Two, I got Whataburger for the first time. Um, I don't remember the burger. I remember the spicy ketchup, and I still haven't found any of that since. And uh, now we have them here in Kennesaw, so we don't need Sam Houston anymore. And, uh, you know, three, I think I remember they had a payphone in their stadium in 2017, they, which they did have a payphone. So I want to know if that still exists, number one, and if it's functional. What are your takeaways from when you went there? Uh, the surprise of getting to go because the Jacksonville State upset was huge. They were a three seed that year. I mean, I guess that was that was kind of the biggest. So that was exciting. Uh, the tailgate, I thought, was fun. Right? We met some St. Houston fans, spent a lot of time with them. One I still somewhat keep in contact with, still touch base like when they won the national championship a couple of years ago, Grant, which is interesting. So, you know, as this rolls into a home and home, when we get into Conference USA, we'll be able to maybe share some tailgates again. That'll be fun. Uh, and then this was the opposite. You know, their band was on our side, too, and it wasn't as fun as Chuck's out. <laughs> that, that's that's an interesting take yeah i still follow one of their fan accounts they occasionally tag me and stuff so you know i'm sure once we start you know playing in conference usa you know i'll be back and forth with a bunch of sam houston fans like i usually am with the liberty fans um and all that so that's that's a fun time and uh finally on our schedule before we get into tusculum um virginia lynchburg see that's a that's a great segue right there we go from liberty to virginia lynchburg Completely accidental, by the way. Um, so we're going to the, I guess, the best team in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, right here. Um, what's your take on it, Kai? Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, you know, try to schedule a Liberty game and uh, athletic <laughs> okay. departments. Ah, sorry, best we can do is Virginia Lynchburg. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, they're, from what I can tell, a worse program than Lincoln. Uh, I couldn't, these two schools, the, the records are hard to find. You got to go to other schools' websites and just go individual game by game because neither of them have posted their full schedules from years past. But from what I could tell, they've never won a game. Um, uh, they were a seminary until just a few years ago. I think they've only got like six to 700 students. Um, yeah, very hard school to find information on. Um we will beat them uh, just as bad, if not worse, than Lincoln. Dustin, what do you got on this one? Yeah, yeah, fifty to nothing. Season's over. Let's go FBS. I'm I'm gonna say six. I'm saying sixty nine nothing again. Stay consistent. Um, I'm I'm you know I have twice the odds now. I have two tickets in the sixty nine nothing lottery here, and I'm gonna win one of them. Um, but I will say I would like to see Virginia Lynchburg play Lincoln. I don't think that's gonna happen, but it should be like. They should play them in our big ass gap here earlier in the year, and we the should, loser doesn't we should, get to play us. We should put them in touch. <laughs> we should, we should, yeah. or bring back our club football team to handle this one too. You know, they can have the week off for Sam Houston. Make mm. sure you know, make sure they're healthy, and then bring them out to slaughter Lynchburg. Mm. Um, so that's all the games except for Tusculum. Let's dive a little bit deeper. We're going to be playing them next week, Thursday, seven p.m. 
Um, I can't believe it's next week. Um, right now, it's, that's insane. And we're going to get some Kennesaw State football again. Um, I guess we'll do first thoughts in a little bit more detail, Kai. You know, what do you have on Tusculum? Yeah, um, not much on the team itself. I'm just excited for the game. I'm still working on getting Big Owl blog credentialed. So it's going to be a fun moment for me to, you know, attend my first game as press. Um, I think we win no problem. Uh, you know, I obviously it's I don't feel the same way about playing Tusculum that I do, you know, Lincoln and Virginia Lynchburg because Tusculum is a legitimately good and respectable program at their level. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at the D2 level. Um, so uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see them hang with us in the, the first quarter or the first half. You know, they're going to have competent athletes. They're probably going to have a lot of speed. They've got a little like five, nine receiver who had like 700 yards and like eight touchdowns last year. So, you know, they got players. Um, I think fans will get their money's worth, but we'll leave with a satisfying win. Um, I'll say uh, the offense comes together in the second half and we beat them 38 to 17. All right. What you got for us, Justin? I get the same feel from Ron Hart a few years ago when when we started. I think it's going to play out very similarly. They're like I said, a little wide open on offense. I think our D line is going to have a, a chance to feast, and they're not going to want to hold the ball, which means our DBs are going to be very aggressive. So I think that's going to be fun to watch. It's more internal than external for me on this one. This is our first look at both sides of the ball and what we have. That's going to be exciting. Um, I say thirty-eight to ten, Owls. Okay. And, you know, like you were saying, Kai, this is, it's not Lynchburg or it's not Lincoln. It's one of those games kind of like we can mess around and we'll find out if we right. really don't care, you know, and really don't take them seriously and, or really cannot execute our offense to any kind of level. Um, you know, we could lose. I mean, I just, was that, was that shorter many years ago where it came down to that field goal at the end that we blocked and returned for a touchdown? Yeah. It was the very first season. It was the inaugural season. Yeah, we messed around and we almost found out. Des Billingsley, uh, I think he blocked a. Uh, it was a. It was a pretty chip shot field goal, right? That would have yeah, given it was him a game-winning field goal, and it turned into the only touchdown of the game. Yeah, so he ran it back like eighty yards, something like that. It was an insane ending. I'm glad we held on because that one would have been hard to live down. Especially, hey, hey, the- when when you win, nobody remembers. So mm-hmm. that's all that matters. Hey. Yes, I'm, I'm just so glad because if we lost, then Shorter would just keep reminding us for the rest of existence, you know, what happened. So I don't want that. Uh, but yeah, so I guess uh, final, um, you know, predictions for the season. Um, I guess we're we kind of having agreeance here. I'm guessing we're looking somewhere about like seven and two, maybe losing Furman, Sam Houston, maybe one other game somewhere in flux. So six and three or seven and two seems realistic to you guys. I would go six and three. I think. Um... There's a 70 to 90% chance that we lose to both Furman and uh, Sam Houston State. And then I think we probably drop one game, um, you know, of the rest of those swing games, at least one game. So I would say worst case scenario, uh, five and four. Best case scenario, um, eight and one with a loss to Sam Houston State. Okay. Dustin, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I would predict seven and two. Um, We'll see. I hope we can keep some momentum. You know, we're going to end our season around November 11th. One thing that excites me there is we're, we're right on to recruiting. That early signing period is the next month. We're not going to be sitting there playing the season. We're not going to be preparing for games. It's time to go finish this class, which is going to be a very important thing for us. So so I'm I'm okay with the nine-game season to get us ready for next year, but seven and two would be my last prediction. Uh, one more thing I want to touch on is uh, just general fan engagement. 
uh, this season. And what, what do you expect to see? Do you think people are going to show up to these games? Um, you know, is, is this going to be something worth supporting or is this going to be kind of a diehards only season? For me, I, man, we have a tough time getting people to show up, you know, when we have a lot to play for, let alone nothing to play for. Um, and really the only opponents of any name value whatsoever in Kennesaw is going to be, you know, Furman and even Tennessee state who I'm sure they can get some alums to pack it in a little bit and that kind of thing. But yeah, it, it just, it's going to be one of those, I think ESPN plus type seasons for a lot of people, you know, me personally, you know, even as a huge fan, you know, I live half an hour, 40 minutes, depending on traffic away from Kennesaw. And there's this huge calculus. Do I want to sit in the seat for Virginia Lynchburg and Lincoln uh, burn my ass off because I do burn quite easily and not have access to, you know, cheap food, AC, all that kind of stuff. Or do I want to sit down on my couch, you know, pop a cold drink and order whatever food I want, save money on the tickets, save time on the travel. There's just so much calculus that goes into it. Even for a diehard like me, I don't even know how like the casuals and the students are thinking. What do you, what do you guys think on that? I think the opener will be, um, uh pretty well stacked i think that's it i think there'll be nobody there for the rest of the time um i still plan to go i still plan to tailgate i still plan to make an event out of it yeah um, i think i'm gonna have to try and make it down to the uh to the opener um and then you know i'm you know Furman looks like a fun game to go to and again you know this season it's not worth to me you know scheduling my life around ksu you know if something comes up to where i want to really do something else you know Braves playoff game or what, you know, whatever comes up, you know, I'm obviously going to prioritize, you know, probably that over this, um, you know, because it's my, I guess my job, even though we're not getting paid here, um, you know, doing this, uh, this uh, blog and all that kind of stuff, this uh, video podcast, um, I'm going to prioritize it, but I can't, I can't really just live, live through it this season. So. Mm. All right. Uh, what, what do you think? Are you going to try and I know you're a student there right now. You live in Kennesaw. Yeah. Yeah. Go to every game. Or? It's it's a lot easier for me. Um, well, I want to go to most of the road games. Uh, the only one that I definitely can't make happen is Sam Houston State. So, um, you know, I I, you know, have less of a choice too. Um, you know, covering the team for probably two different outlets this year. So. I'm going to do my best to get invested. <laughs> I'm yeah. all for, I'm all for niche sports and this is as niche as it gets. So I, yeah, I love niche sports. I love niche anything more than I love, you know, cause everybody talks about Georgia, but then you find somebody that talks about Kansas state. It's like, damn, you know, a lot about nothing that other people right. know stuff right. about. And it's right. kind of, it's kind of fun. And I'm sure Dustin gets that a lot. Like why the hell do you know so much about Kansas state? What, what's wrong with you? And I, I, I do get that sometimes, but it's, you know, it's what I like, you know, I support the school, you know, see us now, but then see where we are 10 years from now, 10 years ago, we right. didn't even have a football team. Right. Um, but you know, I'm more excited for, you know, some of the, uh, the road trips overall than I am for the home games. Like I think me and Kai, we talked about perhaps, you know, obviously I'm going to try and head out to Chattanooga because it's so close. Um, you know, I haven't been there, so I'd like to see it. And that attraction, just having to see, see be somewhere I haven't been before is probably more valuable to me than if we play Chattanooga at home, you know, and same kind of thing. I haven't been to Tennessee Tech. I haven't been to Charleston Southern. Heck, I've been to places in South Carolina. I don't think I've been to Charleston yet. So, you know, I definitely want to check that out. So those are bigger draws for me than perhaps mm. the game itself. Mm -hmm. You know, well, the nice thing has been um, after, 
what was kind of a dud of a football season last year. And, you know, the basketball program helped a lot with this, but um, just kind of getting back onto the radar of like the Atlanta area media, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, like you have the, the Ken Segura article the other day, you know, that was talking us up. So that's good to see. Oh yeah. They used to do that. Remember Dustin in the early uh, football days, we used to have Doug Roberson being forced to cover us and whatnot. Oh, yeah. And then I, uh, he was at the, um, the A-Sun Championship game sitting right next to me, and it's exactly how it sounded. He was forced to be there. <laughs> yes, and and then, you know, they then there was some point, I don't know when it was, the media just completely stopped caring about us whatsoever, mm-hmm. like the AJC. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when that was or what brought that on, Dustin? I do not. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm hoping I can, I can definitely – feel the the uptick there because we're going fbs and whether they like it or not they're going to have to talk about us now on the same same way they talk about state and even southern so well um yeah i was gonna say doug roberson follows me on twitter so if he unfollows me we just know that he was a listener (laughs) oh yeah that's a good let's keep an eye on that for sure Mm -hmm. um so kind of ending this up you know are there any fine we gave our predictions for the season are there any random notes you guys want to share expectations thoughts Anything you have? No, that's uh, that's all I got. Um, and uh, if y'all are ready, I can go ahead and take us out as soon as uh, yeah, as soon as Dustin sits back down. Yeah, uh, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on with us. Really enjoyed having you. Um, if there's anything you want to plug, any Twitter, any social media, now would be the time to do it. If not, nope. I can move right along. All right, right sounds on. good. Yep. Hopefully, we'll have you on again sometime in the future. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you can follow um, you can follow me on Twitter at Kaimalette and at Big Owl Blog. John, if you want to go ahead and plug your Twitter real quick. Yeah, uh, at KSU Owl Howl. I tweet a lot of irreverent bullshit, but, you know, I can be entertaining sometimes. Some good retweets definitely uh, possibly maybe worth a follow. So check me out. And again, thank you so much, Dustin, for joining us. Um, you know, like I said, we're just doing this for the love of the owls. So, you know, didn't didn't slip him a hundy or anything like that. He volunteered to come on. So, again, thanks so much, Dustin. Hope to have you back uh, sometime perhaps this season or definitely uh, definitely after the year. All right. And you guys will hear from us next time when we have football to talk about. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, go out!